And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Abuse of alcohol, tobacco, and illicit drugs is costly to this country, exacting more than $740 billion annually in costs related to crime, lost work, productivity, and health care. While deaths due to drug overdose dominate the headlines, excessive drinking remains number one as the leading cause of preventable death in the United States. From 2015 to 2019, alcohol was responsible for more than 380 deaths per day. It is responsible for shortening the lives of excessive drinkers by an average of 26 years, mostly due to health effects from drinking too much over time, such as various types of cancer, liver disease, and heart disease. It leads to premature deaths from causes such as motor vehicle accidents, poisonings involving uh, substances, as well as uh, alcohol and suicide. Alcoholism has touched all of us, uh, myself included. The collateral damage is vast. There is incredible suffering, heartbreak for families and friends and those medical staff and first responders and clergy that are left behind to carry on after the destruction and death has taken its toll. Today, I have as my guest, Teddy W., an alcoholic, 16 years sober, to discuss alcoholism, its effects, and the role Alcoholics Anonymous plays in carrying the message of treatment and hope for those seeking to be released from the hostage taking by alcohol and addiction. Teddy, welcome to The Mentors. Thanks, thanks, Thomas. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Let's start uh, off by asking you, what is it that you would like people to know about you? Um, thanks. Thanks, Tom. I think, you know, what I would like people to know is that, um, you know, I was, I was like any, you know, normal teenager or so I thought or a young person. And, you know, I partied hard and I worked hard and I was able to do both uh, for a while. Um, and, you know, at the start it was fun. But uh, soon um, I found that the harder I parted, the, you know, the uh, less effective I was at work. And then other things in my life started to suffer. Um, you know, alcohol was my friend and my solution to life until it wasn't. Um, and by the time that it wasn't, I realized that I'd lost the ability to control my drinking uh, or regulate my drinking in any way. Uh, it was always the first drink that got me drunk because I always wanted more. And, you know, I ended up with a, a heap of, of consequences, no way out um, that I, I, could, I could think of. Um, and um, so it was, you know, for me, Alcoholics Anonymous was the, uh, the last house on the block, so to speak. But, but what I found there was contrary to all the 
um, you know, um, expectations and misinformation I had received about AA. Uh, and what I found instead was a way out and um, to, you know, a happy and useful life. And what were some of those misconceptions that are, uh, I think, not just for you, but for many others? What are some of those misconceptions? Oh, you know, um, first of all, I guess that it's all old men in trench coats smoking in church basements. Um, and um, that's actually true because there are some meetings that are like that. And, and AA is, is for people like that, too. But the fellowship of AA to do, today looks much different than it once did, you know, where 60-40, male-female, there's a growing number of Spanish-speaking members, you know, particularly in our area of the country, we have meetings for the LGBTQ community, people of color, atheists, newcomers, young people, meetings that are, you know, uh, wheelchair accessible and child-friendly. Um, and um, so uh, that was that was one thing that kind of surprised me. Uh, the other was that I'd heard that it was um, a religious program, uh, and it's not. It's a spiritual program. And what I learned is that, you know, you can have a way of life based on um, spiritual principles like honesty, responsibility, uh, and love without necessarily having to believe in a supreme being. And um, although there's a lot of talk of, you know, G.O.D., in the in the rooms of AA and a higher power, you know the uh, the God uh, can be the God of my own um, understanding and conception. And what I discovered in AA was a God far bigger uh, than the angry, judging uh, God of my my upbringing. You know, I thought my life was over; I'd never have fun again. Um, but um, you know, um, again, that that wasn't true because. You know, well, I mean, if you're still having fun drinking, then, go, you know, have at it. You know, AA is not against people drinking. That that That's your business. But if you want to stop, uh, that's our business. And, and most people stop when it's not fun anymore. Um, and what I discovered in, in AA was a deeper uh, joy, sober, than I, than I ever imagined. You know, it's the, the joy of living with a clear head, a clear conscience, and a, a clear direction. Um you know, um, I thought um, that AA would um, teach me how to drink like a gentleman again. Uh, that was dead wrong. <laughs> um, you know, we're a program of abstinence because because we know that for us, one drink always, always leads to another and, and so on. In spite of our best intentions, promises made and, and oaths sworn. Um, so those, those, those were just a few of the things that... Um, that I had a, a, a misunderstanding about, um, and uh, I found something different when I when I um, joined AA. Well, I have many more questions uh, to ask about your own journey and then about AA, but let's take a break, and when we return, we're going to continue our discussion with Teddy W. as he shares his road to recovery from alcoholism and the value of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Tom Loring. Today, I'm with Teddy W. We are talking about excessive drinking. It's damage to an alcoholic's life. It's collateral damage. And the hope 
Alcoholics Anonymous brings to those held hostage to addiction. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. Subscribe at thementorsradio.com. So we were talking about misconceptions by many people, uh, generally. Uh, there's one that uh, people sometimes think that AA is a cult. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, that 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 was my impression of AA before I came to AA, and uh, again, wasn't true. Uh, you know, AA doesn't want your money, doesn't want your obedience. Uh, you know, we have our customs for sure. But that's all they are, customs, uh, which the individual can take part in or not. You know, no, no member is required to believe anything. Uh, we have just one requirement, and it's a really low bar, and that is the desire to stop drinking. That's all. So you can have a whole bunch of other problems, you know, you, drugs, gambling, sex, you name it. Um, but if you have a desire to stop drinking, you're welcome in AA. So let's go back to your story. What were there any roots in your family, any signs, anything in your family? And I know you're from uh, the UK and you came here uh, when you were in your 40s. Uh, but anything at home, any people you hung out with, uh, anything in the family that helped contribute to this? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, um, um, I never knew, well, most of my grandparents had died before I was born. Uh, and so I don't know about them. You know, my parents, um, didn't seem to have, um, any problems drinking, but, you know, me and my two brothers, you know, all, all, all the boys, uh, in our family did. Um, and, um, you know, both my brothers, uh, drank uh, more than than I did, um, and um, but you know I can't tell you whether or not they were alcoholics. All I can say is that they drank more than I did, and the reason for that is is in AA. It's a program of self identification. You know, no one labels someone else an alcoholic. What we do is is we identify. You know, when 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 we're ready and 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 we see. Um, you know, that there are, there are certain ways um, that, that we drink. It's then up to us whether we identify as an alcoholic or not. But yeah, so, you know, um, you know, drink was always part of the family setup. Um, and I had a couple of great role models, right, for, for, uh, for, 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 for drinking. And, um, uh, and, and because I, I drank a little bit less, you know, my own, alcoholism kind of flew under the radar um uh with my family um and um you know um i've been around aa you know long enough now to hear that that my experience is not uncommon you know often when when we share at meetings which is what we do we share and we listen to each other we hear that alcohol seems to attract you know attach rather um to families you know whether that's whether that's genetics or whether that's upbringing you know who knows but you know um it's very rare that there is just one alcoholic in a family yeah i'm uh near and dear to me I, my father was an alcoholic and i'm not judging him but uh, he went to aa and it was a secret in the family for years because he was dry most of my adult life uh, but he was uh like you uh, from what i understood one drink and that was it he was 
out of control. So he had a very similar problem, but he did go to AA. And as I said, growing up, I never saw him take a drink. Um, I'm curious, uh, at your worst, because this is a progressive, uh, first of all, do you consider it a disease? Um, I I prefer the word illness um, than, than uh, disease. Disease to me implies something that you can catch from someone else. An illness is something a little bit different, um, and it definitely is an illness. And you know, um, the the uh, medical field, and you know, we're not doctors in AA, and, and and we don't make any, you know, prognoses or anything like that. But you know, there 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 is alcohol abuse disorder, um, and and in our um, our basic text, the book Alcoholics Anonymous, also called the Big Book. Uh, it starts out with, um, you know, an opinion of a doctor at the time that Alcoholics Anonymous was formed um, with his opinion that this is indeed um, an, an illness. And uh, going back at your worst, I mean, this is a it is progressive illness, let's say, from what I've learned. Uh how many at the at your worst before you got things turned around? How many drinks a day were you having? Um, thanks for the, the question, Tom. Yeah, as as you say, it is a progressive um, illness, and, and 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 my career as an alcoholic progressed, you know, um, and gradually I I drank more and more and more. I ended up being a daily drinker. I ended up drinking alone at home. Um, and, um, you know, I would, I would drink, um, about a fifth a day, um, mm. or, you know, it, it really, it, it varied, you know, I, I, I kind of drank until I, at the end, I, you know, I drank until I passed out. Um, and, um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't always that way. I certainly, um, you know, didn't start out, um, that way, although all the signs were there. You know, in my early 20s, my doctor told me to stop drinking for a month. Uh, and I, I made it as far as three weeks. Um, and I always think of that as like, oh, yeah, there, there, there was a there was a signal there that, that, that maybe, you know, I wasn't as in control as much as I thought I was. Um, and, you know, it really got, you know, a lot, a lot worse um, later on. And for you, what was the collateral damage as a result of your excessive drinking? Oh wow! You know, um, I I I I started, um, or, or rather, my you know what standards that I had, such as they were, started falling faster than I could I could lower them. You know, um, there was a pattern of lost apartments, relationships, financial distress. Um, and other consequences started to pile up. Um, you know, um, I, 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 I deny it, but my primary relationship became the one that I had with the bottle. Um, and, um, you know, that was just became a string of, you know, broken promises, uh, failure to show up. Um, you know, alcohol taught me how to lie um, about what was really going on. Um, and, 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 and that, that was kind of one of the most insidious things, the way, the way in which, you know, I gave up, um, being me and, and kind of retreated in, in, into this shell of this empty shell of denial. 
And in the using language of today, it really is not a victimless uh, illness, is it? Not at all. You know, um, um, the you know, I felt this way. I I I felt that my drinking was my business and it didn't affect anybody else, but it did. You know, um, I lost relationships. Um, I I harmed my friends who were desperately concerned about me and, and tried to help. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, quote, unquote, borrowed uh, money from people, um, you know. Um, and so I created a lot of wreckage um, in my life. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it, it kind of affected, you know, my co-workers um and just about everybody you know even strangers in in the street or in the grocery you know line because i was in a bad mood or i was hung over you know um you know i was just kind of a walking little tornado and you had some medical issues as well that uh, i mean that, that contributed to some medical issues right that finally pushed you over the edge yeah you know um i i um um was um uh, I, I, well, short story um, was that um, I had a death in the family. I was signed off work. I was, I was depressed. I was on disability. Uh, and I just was, you know, quietly drinking myself to death. And so for me, and not everyone has to get to this point, point but for me, um, you know, I, uh, I got, I, I sobered up in hospital um, because that's where they had to stash me because I was, uh, uh, so so sick and and had allowed my physical health to deteriorate so much. Well, I'm sure the story is going to run a little longer than the time we have left in the segment. So we're going to come back, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about how you found your way to AA. Was there a person involved that helped you? Uh, what was the trigger? Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll be talking again with our guest today, Teddy W. and we're talking about excessive drinking, its damage to one's life, the collateral damage, and the hope that AA can bring to those held hostage by addiction. Remember, you can listen live to our Saturday broadcast anywhere in the world by going to San Francisco 860 The Answer on iHeartRadio. This is Tom Loy, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie, and today I'm with Teddy W. We're talking about excessive drinking. It's damage to your life, collateral damage, and the hope that AA can bring to you if you're being held hostage to addiction. So let's uh, shift gears now. Well, we're not continuing with your journey. How, how, what was it that triggered your going to AA? Uh, thanks, Tom. Yeah, well, as I as I mentioned, you know, they they had to stash me in the hospital because I was I was so physically unwell, um, and um, and that's really you know in that hospital bed was where my recovery began, um, and and then all the friends who had been concerned about me came to visit, and they all said, "Teddy, you're sick and you need help." Um, and, um, and, you know, a, a little, and I was, I, you know, I was out of ideas, all Teddy's ideas had failed. Uh, and here I was in the hospital bed without any kind of good idea as to, 
you know, what to do next. And, um, and so, you know, a friend of mine came to visit and he said the same thing, you know, Teddy, you're sick and you need help and, and you should get yourself to an AA meeting. And, you know, and the words came out of my mouth, you know, maybe you're right. Um, I'd kind of reached that point, I think of, you know, a quiet little surrender uh, to the idea that um, I needed to try something new. Um, and he said, good, there's one downstairs right now. Um, <laughs> so I was tricked into my first AA meeting and, you know, I made my debut in a wheelchair and a hospital gown um, and, um, and things started, things got better from there. You know, um, I went straight from the hospital into a rehab, which is, you know, the experience of, of many, um, people, um, in AA, um, you know, um, 74% of our members, um, uh, who, who received, you know, treatment or counseling said it played an important part in directing them to AA. And that was my experience. And so I went to the rehab and, and then I started attending meetings and I, I joined AA, you know, I found what we call a home group, which is a group that you go to, um, you know, um, regularly, um, you know, without exception, um, where everybody knows you. Um, and, um, so I, I went there, um, I got a sponsor and started working these 12 steps that I'd heard about. And, you know, my, my sponsor, uh, his name was Frank. He just, he knew what he was talking about. And it was like, like he had X-ray vision into my soul. You know, he understood, he showed me love, he showed me patience and he showed me a path to happiness, but you know, he wouldn't put up with any nonsense either. Uh, and it was just what I needed. Um, you know, someone who cared enough to help me face the truth. Uh, and that's what I was shown um, in AA. Yeah, the sponsor's been there, done that, and you're not going to get anything over them. Now, my experience, again, my father was the alcoholic, and it was my sister that really pushed me to go to adult children of alcoholics, which I found extremely fruitful for me. I did that for three years. And then there's also a group called Al-Anon, uh, which is for family members. I think it was initially designed for spouses of alcoholics so they could understand uh, the illness. Uh, and we'll leave some... Uh, links on the website for both of those. But I think it might be important for people because I really didn't know much about AA and ACOA meetings were run in a similar fashion. Let's talk a little bit about that meeting. I, they're fascinating. And uh, as I said, very fruitful. So somebody comes into a meeting for the first time, what happens? What do they see? What do they experience? Right? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. Um on on the meeting um because each meeting has the freedom uh to do anything it wants um providing it doesn't affect other groups or aa as a whole uh, and there, there's quite a bit of variation um but generally speaking i say generally um slowly uh, meetings are about an hour in length uh, and there's usually um, a reading from you know some of our literature or, or we listen to a member who shares their story for around 15 minutes and then the floor is, is open and and the members who are there briefly share and everyone else listens. Um, and um, we hear stories of pain, we hear tales of redemption, uh, and we pick up tips on, on how to live a sober life. You know, every meeting 
uh, for me anyway, is 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 um, a realization of the power of the kinship of common suffering. Uh, and that's really at the, the base of AA and also a common solution. Um, you know, we, we don't keep membership records so people can come and go as, as, as they please. It's really up to the, the person. Um, and, you know, there are, there are open meetings um, uh, where you can, you know, bring family members. And, and there are also closed meetings. And, and that means that only people with a desire to stop drinking can attend. And you can usually in the meeting schedule, and we'll put that in the show notes as well, uh, in the meeting schedule, it will tell you whether a meeting is open or closed. And it's all free, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, AA is not after your money. Um, what we do, though, at the meetings is we, you know, pass the basket or, you know, the digital basket if it's a, a meeting on Zoom. Um, and um, people can, you know, make and we only accept contributions from, you know, um, our members, i.e. people with a desire to stop drinking. We don't accept money from anyone else. Um, and uh, and people drop money in the basket to help, um, you know, pay for the rent or the, you know, the Zoom account, uh, coffee, you know, refreshments if there are any, books and literature for newcomers. Um, and, and then hopefully there's a little bit left over so we can also pay our way uh, to keep, um, you know, the uh, structure of AA intact uh, nationally. Well, my experience uh, in the meeting, which I'll share very quickly, is that I had gone to therapy. I was working through some issues as a result of a divorce. My sister pushed me to go to ACOA. And the reason I stuck with it is that you go to the meetings and all of a sudden people are sharing their experiences in their family and the, what alcoholism uh, and people would tell a story and I'd sit there and my chest would well up and I'd say, my God, that happened to me or my mm. goodness, that that was part of our family. And I didn't understand the dynamics. So it really provided a template for uh, seeing uh, my own life uh, through the eyes of others. And it was very healing and helpful. So that was uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Teddy, but that oh. was my yeah uh thank thanks um thanks thomas it's um you know they we uh say um you know if you stick around long enough you'll hear someone tell your story um at a an aa meeting and um uh, and it's amazing you know because the person who tells your story might not be the person you'd expect to you know i was um, a relative newcomer and i went to a meeting and the speaker you know, with someone who was, you know, not like me at all, didn't look like me, didn't sound like me, you know, and 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 this this little old lady, um, you know, I started speaking and she told my story, and it was the most kind of amazing uh, experience. And um, you know, again, it just kind of goes back to this, um, you know, this kinship of common suffering that we have um, in, in, in AA. Um, and, um, you know, we, uh, the uh, circumstances, you know, might vary a little bit from, or a lot, you know, from member to member, but the way that we felt is universal. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the big book, the traditions and the steps. And we're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Teddy W., who's sharing his road to recovery from alcoholism. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, 
Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Tom Lauren. Today I'm with Teddy W. We're talking about excessive drinking and Alcoholics Anonymous. So what is the big book? Thanks, Tom. It's um, the the uh, the big book is um, our basic text, and it's it's the book is called Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, it's called the big book because it is a big book, um, and the first 164 pages of it detail how the original hundred or so members of Alcoholics Anonymous when it was in its infancy, what they did in order to stay sober. And then the second half of the book is about another 300 pages of personal stories uh, written by different alcoholics over, you know, the last, um, you know, 75 years or so. Um, and um, the uh, stories, you know, there's a whole section written by the pioneers of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a whole section written by the people who stopped in time. I, they, they didn't have to experience, you know, some of the, the more serious um, impacts and effects of, of alcoholism. And then there's um, a section um, about the, um, uh, the people that, that nearly lost everything and they write their stories. Um, you know, the book was written um, back in uh, what well, was published in 1939. Um, and some of, some of the language is, you know, a little um uh, difficult uh, for people to to read these days it was difficult then it requires quite a high kind of reading age but fortunately uh you know one of the recommendations is that you know we don't read the book alone we read it with a sponsor who can help us with it and, and also we're actually right now in the process of um, putting together a plain language version of the first 164 pages and in the big book are I, I, I'm, I'm guessing the the twelve traditions and the twelve steps are both embedded in the big book. Uh, the uh, twelve steps are the uh, twelve traditions came later. Um, so um, the uh, twelve steps is basically um, the design for living that the um, you know original founders of AA um, put together. And, and basically, it's it's a program, and, and my experience of it was that you know I acquired. First of all, I admitted that I was an alcoholic, uh, and then I acquired a belief in a higher power. Um, you know, I knew I couldn't do this alone, but no one could do it for me either. Um, I found my my tribe in AA, and my sponsor, you know, worked the steps with a sponsor, uh, and Frank and I, you know, reviewed the pattern of my life. Um, and cleared away all the wreckage um, of my past. And, you know, I made amends for the harm that I had done. Uh, and then when I was ready, I commenced to work with others in carrying the message of recovery from alcoholism uh, and then to practice a responsible uh, and honest life of, of loving service. And, and today, you know, you don't just work the 12 steps and you're done. It's a um uh, a perpetual thing and 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 today i i do my best to keep my side of the the uh, street clean um you know nothing changed uh when, when i got sober the sun still rose and set as it always had and and people were still people um 
And uh, but my attitude and perspective uh, changed forever. Um, and what the steps did was was show me, as I said, a design for living, an attitude of of gratitude um, in my life. Um, and, and today, as a result of that, you know, I live a life of of, of peace, uh, purpose, and and abundance. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm with Teddy W., an alcoholic that has maintained sobriety for the last 16 years. I want to go quickly to the uh, 12 steps. You've covered them uh, in a very general way. But the first step is we admitted, the big one is we're powerless over alcohol. And I'm picking, I'm just going to cherry pick, but we'll post these on the uh, on the show notes as well. And then we do an inventory of, we turn our lives over to this uh, a higher power. We do a moral inventory and we make amends to people that we've hurt. And then we do the service. It's a beautiful program. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you said how many organizations other than AA has taken these and made these part of their uh, practice for living? There are many others, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, the Al Alcoholics Anonymous was the first organization to put the 12 steps together. And, and, you know, we're, we're very humble about it because not all the ideas are, are ours. You know, a lot of the ideas, you know, come from the world of medicine, you know, from the world of spiritual traditions. Um, and, you know, what, what we added in AA was this kind of secret source of one alcoholic talking to another. Um, and, and so because, you know, um, um, the, the steps, you know, arose in the way that they did, um, we are absolutely thrilled if anyone else can make use of them in any other area of their lives. And the last time I checked, I think there were 153 other 12-step programs that, that I saw that were listed. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people uh, are making use of the 12 steps in areas of their lives other than, you know, um, problem drinking. Well, and, and and Stanford wrote a study or published a study, didn't they, uh, showing that of all the treatment programs, AA is one of the best in terms of helping people maintain their sobriety? Yeah. Um, the um, Stanford study um, was done in, in 2020, and um, Stanford University and the researchers there kind of looked at um, – a bunch of other studies that passed their uh, rigorous standards for quality. And what they um, determined um, from that, and this was, you know, studies done by 145 other scientists and over 10,000 people. Um, and, and, and what they um, found from that was that um, the 12 steps um, uh, consistently um, um, were showed better chances of um, abstinence than than other methods. In fact, one one study um, showed a 60% greater chance of uh, maintaining abstinence. Now, just want to say, of course, that Alcoholics Anonymous is not uh, affiliated with Stanford, and and um, you know we don't you know endorse um, any 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 studies as such. But um, what we do is we pass along good information. Um, about the subject of alcohol and alcoholism when we can in our monthly magazine, the AA Grapevine. And there's a Spanish-language uh, version of the of that as well called the uh, La Vina. And we have a worldwide audience, as you know. How many 
I, and I'm sure you maybe don't know, but how many groups are there worldwide? If not, how many groups are in the United States? How many people participate? And I realize they come and go, but generally, how big is the organization? And there are a lot of groups that people can find locally, aren't there? Right. Yeah. You know, worldwide, um, there's about 120,000 uh, groups and 2 million members. Of those, 1.5 million members and 70,000 meetings are in North America, Canada and the US. And there's about 2,000 meetings a week in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we are really blessed in this part of the country with a huge number and variety of meetings. And you know what we like to say to uh, newcomers is if you go to a meeting and you don't like it, go to another meeting. There are plenty to choose from in the schedule. Well, great. We're going to come back in a few minutes again to continue our discussion. I've got two key questions for our, my guest, Teddy W., who's sharing his road to recovery from alcoholism. Please join us after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie, and we're with Teddy W. We're talking about excessive drinking, Alcoholics Anonymous, and how you can find hope and uh, for those that are being held hostage to addiction. Uh, very quickly, uh, part of part of what, I guess maybe let's just go right to my two big questions uh, so we don't run out of time. What is it that you would say to those who are struggling with uh, excessive drinking? What's the message you'd like to leave with them? Um, thanks, Tom. I think that the main message is that is that there is a way out uh, and there is a hope. And so, you know, if you are in that situation uh, and, and you want to seek a solution, you know, try and stay away from that first drink. Come to a meeting. Seek out people in AA who've been sober for a while. Get a big book and a sponsor to read it with. And then, you know, commence to work the steps and, and keep coming back. Um, it's as simple as that. And what is it that you would suggest to somebody who has a family member or a spouse that is struggling with excessive drinking? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, uh, we have a, um, a wonderful um, pamphlet in AA, and we'll put that um, in the... Um, in the notes as show notes as well. The pamphlet is called, is there an alcoholic in your life? Um, and, um, you know, two things really, um, you know, timing is so important. Um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, an alcoholic can be in such denial and, and so, um, rigid, um, that an approach can, 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 you know, lead to a rebuff defensiveness and, and uh, even anger and, um, you know, pushing that person further away from recovery. So timing is really important. Um, and, and, and also, you know, make sure, you know, if you are, you know, going to um, um, suggest um, AA as a possible, um, you know, avenue for someone that you know what you need to know about AA again, because, you know, good, inf you know, bad information and, and misconceptions can keep people away uh, from recovery. And then, you know, the third thing is you're not alone. 
and there's a whole organization so specifically specifically designed for people like you and it's called Alanon um we'll put that uh note in the um show notes as uh, that link in the show notes as well and, and you know and and that is for the family and friends of alcoholics um which is you know a whole way of life um in and of itself and this is not just for men i mean you mentioned oh. all the different groups but i think you mentioned that uh 50 50 women and men something like that there's a pretty even split uh yeah you know in in aa according to our, our last survey the the ratio is 60 40 men to women but i think you know that's probably changed because the last survey we did was you know over 10 years ago and in our part of the country it is more 50 50. um and um yeah you 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 you, you will find a mixture you know, of men, women, gender non-conforming people in, in AA and in uh, Al-Anon these days. And you've mentioned it a lot, and I think it's an important uh, question. How do you find a sponsor? Um, yeah, that, that that's a, a really great question. Um, and, um, you know, there's a whole pamphlet about that. That AA has called questions and answers on sponsorship. So um, you can certainly look at that. But basically, what we suggest to people is go to a meeting and listen. Um, and and if you if you like what some like what you're hearing from someone, and and they have what you want, and we don't just mean you know cash and prizes. What we mean is you know they're the kind of person you would like to be. That person might be your 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 future sponsor and we got about 30 seconds left can you quickly let the audience know what you're doing today uh what i'm doing today is i uh, showed up for work <laughs> on time uh this morning with a clear head and was of service in the place of work i'm um you know participating in this interview at lunchtime uh this evening i'm meeting with uh, two sponsees um and um uh, and then uh, I'll be going to a meeting later on this evening as well. Well, that's great. We're out of time. Uh, that's it until next week. Thank you very much for the time, Teddy, to share with us your journey and all about Alcoholics Anonymous. You can go to our mentorsradio.com uh, website for links to resources for those seeking freedom from addiction or have family members that are. Remember, you can also listen to us online, any device, anytime on any podcast platform. And join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.thementorsradio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved. <laughs>